0: Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.
1: Welcome to Making it Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins of the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Kelly Markey, founder and executive director of Dorothy's House. It's a safe place for survivors of human trafficking, exploitation, and prostitution, and it helps those affected begin a journey of healing. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. So
0: full disclosure, I mean, we have to do a pre-record here, at Kelly, because it's <laughs> as we're heading on this Friday the 10th into the most wonderful time of the year. Right. NC basketball in the Big 12 tournament. I mean, Pope Francis, encourages all of us to make an exodus out of ourselves. I don't think he was talking about the horde going down the I-35 to Kansas City. <laughs> to the I don't because, have those little flags uh, yet, but I will buy the, them. People know. You, <laughs> <will. Yeah. laughs> and, yeah, you won't be wearing pink, probably. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, will be wearing this pink. I'm sorry, But,
1: yeah, yes, but, but I won't stay, be in red. You know you
0: have a place to stay, though, right? I do. Yeah, My but,
1: sister lives down there. I'll be with her and her Is husband. Is she a Cyclone
0: fan, or does she just kind of tolerate your— Yeah,
1: she's she had a bad experience because she's a big KU fan. Okay, that's right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it could be a little frosty <laughs> there, huh? <laughs> what is
1: the thermostat it's turned it, down here? Or what? It's no. an opportunity to get out, have fun, and drink and watch sports. So um, <laughs> yeah. we'll be going to the Power and Light District. I don't have tickets, but. Uh, it's okay. We'll be communing yeah, with the, uh, like probably a thousand or two thousand of our closest friends <laughs> for all Iowa State fans. Yeah, I'm sure.
0: a little Lenten respite there. Not a fish fry, but oh, uh, in that way. Oh, but it'll so, be a good well, day. May, may, looking uh, forward to it. May the men perform well. But uh, yeah, no thinking and. So many ways and uh, kind of the uh, second week of Lent as we conclude, but we started as always with the second Sunday of of Lent with the transfiguration and that account there that I think kind of lifts all our sights to a a different kind of mountain that uh, we're trying to climb. And uh, in that way in which we reflect, I was stirred in my own reflection that uh, had been published uh, not long ago. About the the ride, uh, riding the road to the sun, excuse me, I kind of my r's here, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, with a, a priest friend, and you know, trying to do that at the Montana's Glacier National Park, and uh, we never got quite to the uh, the summit because we were kind of pulled off the road. We were being too observant of the curfew for cyclists, so we had to turn down. And let me tell you, that was a perilous uh, affair too. But uh, you know, I think we go up and down during the Lenten moments. We might feel that we're making progress in our desire to to make a new start and to to allow the Lord to claim our hearts and find new freedom and all the things that maybe have ensnared us along the way, but the way in which then we can be present to other people at the same time too. And I think our upcoming guest, Kelly Markey is going to be a great Mm -hmm. instance of that. Now I know that uh, Dorothy's house is not itself a faith-based initiative, but uh, you know, they're trying to accompany people and women in particular, wherever they are and allow, I think those, Uh, movements of the spirit and then to support and accompany them that and that inevitably whether one is in a 12-step program or anything else that there's that that dimension uh, uh, where we all want to kind of transcend we want to to pass over if you will to a place where we can discover peace and so i think uh, to do that fixing our eyes on jesus for us who who possess faith to overcome the paralysis of fear and negotiate those hazards of frustration and futility that we can become so consumed by and obsessed by at that time, so that uh, ultimately we can see what lies beyond where God's glory is present, but uh, is sometimes hidden or obscured by the challenges that we face. So uh, it would be interesting to talk to Kelly and and bring that out, but uh, hope people are continuing to avail themselves of the channels of grace that are here. Our priests who provide those moments, uh, a little change in the uh, formula of absolution, you know, no, not more than God the Father of mercies, who reconciled the world to himself, rather than saying sent the Holy Spirit, poured out the Holy Spirit, is more an accurate translation of the original uh, text. And so don't feel like you're having an illicit form of uh, absolution or mm-hmm. questions of scrupulosity about whether it was in a valid celebration of the sacrament. The important thing is to go, to go, and experience that. Uh, Don Zappel at St. Cecilia's in Ames will allow me to, to hear confessions, but we're going to be celebrating this weekend, Kelly, with our, our mom, Marilyn Symington Johnson, 90 years on the 13th. So uh, yeah. where's
1: the can clapping there, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. The party, party. Yeah.
0: Mom theme. is the last one who wants to shine a light on herself, but uh, she's going to tolerate us uh, kind of celebrating. So I can't <laughs> devote my homily to her in any way, shape or form, but just simply to be present with her and her Irish wit will be on display as well. Wow. Oh, so, we love that.
1: Yeah, so All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to making a personal with Bishop Johnson.
2: Iowa Catholic Radio would like to thank our business partner Elite Glass and Metal LLC and Johnson, a full-service glass and glazing contractor serving Des Moines and surrounding areas, new construction, existing projects and residential. Learn more at eliteglassandmetal.com.
0: Mary's Meals provides hope with a nutritious meal served to over 2 million children in 20 countries every school day. Mary's Meals, a simple solution to world hunger. Learn more at marysmealsusa.org. A message from Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Knights of Columbus, Borman, and Pfeiffer Agency. Serving the Catholic families in Iowa, the Knights of Columbus is a fraternal benefit society providing financial security to members and their families.
2: Specializing in life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability income insurance, and retirement annuities. You can reach Knights of Columbus Field Agent Gregory Waddell at 563-689-6801. That's 563-689-6801. Thank you and God bless.
1: Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Our guest today is Kelly Markey, founder and executive director of Dorothy's House. Dorothy's House is a safe place for survivors of human trafficking, exploitation, and prostitution. It helps those affected begin a journey of healing.
0: So we'll be turning from Kelly with a Y to Kelly with an I-E here, okay. but uh, good morning and welcome to you, Kelly. Thank good you morning. for being on, on with us. You're no stranger to I O Catholic Radio, but uh, this is our first encounter, and uh, I have a lot to learn here about Dorothy's house and everything else, but the show is called Making It Personal, and just maybe to recount a little bit of your own kind of personal path, because uh, there were many uh, avenues and doors open to you, but the, the door of Dorothy's house, which you've helped to open for others, and how what kind of led you there, and how, you know, was this a spiritual journey in any way?
2: Very much so. Um, when people ask me the question about why you choose to open a recovery home for the people with the greatest need in your community, I think for me it has been 50 some years of preparation. Um, and looking back, uh, I realize that all of the careers and jobs that I've had along the way have prepared me for this. Um, a 15 year career in marketing and advertising and business development. But also, you know, the few years that I spent flip, flipping homes leading up to Dorothy's house led me to not be afraid of the house when I found it.
0: Okay. But literally. The physical structure. The physical
2: structure, yep, right, because I'd seen just about everything that could happen to an old house and wasn't afraid that we couldn't restore the house. But really, the day that I visited the home, completely by accident, I walked in and literally walked from the back of the house into the the vestibule in the front where light is shining through these beautiful stained glass windows. And immediately I knew what it was gonna be called. And at the time thought that we would be working with girls with severe sexual assault and abuse profiles because I didn't know about human trafficking yet. Um, but the house told me um, to to start and look deeper. And within um, six months, I was in a week long seminar about the issue of human trafficking in Iowa and decided that if I was going to apply this much effort, uh, personal effort, to changing the way that we look at caring for people in our community, I would do it for the people who need it the most. And it was great because it really helped shape and form and narrow our vision, um, and everything happened from there.
0: So God had kind of placed the, the mission or the vision on your heart in a way, but you know, even as you're describing the, the physical structure, using kind of churchy language here, vestibule and, and things like that, so you know you do have a kind of background of the parochial education and things but uh you know that that faith uh, atmosphere that uh, was there but uh, so this this kind of the resonance of what was already your passion to to be for most vulnerable you were not a social worker by by training or yeah. anything you know a professional woman you know out in the business community in that way so uh was it uh encounters with particular persons that really kind of sparked this for you uh
2: It was uh, a number of experiences over about four or five years that really solidified it. So I started volunteering with Youth Emergency Services and Shelter and met a young girl whose hope and optimism for life did not come from her personal experience. And I felt like what I was doing as a volunteer, painting fingernails, doing crafts, was not showing up in a way that was meaningful enough for me um, and probably using my capacity to help and to serve. And, and she was so inspiring to me that um, I ended up getting my foster parenting license and had a number of circumstances where my, I was awakened to what children in our community are surviving and and so it literally was just a progression of those experiences and feeling called to do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more so you can be ready for the impact of what we do now.
0: Yeah, so it wasn't like you were all in right away, but it really was a progressive immersion.
2: It has to be. It really has to be because you can't conceive, I think, as someone who has not been in human services or any background in this space to – go to the level of a Dorothy's house without that progression taking you there.
0: Mm -hmm. And did you have people who kind of were accompanying you and offering you insight or kind of reflecting back to you what was on your heart? Or was this kind of a, just a, you know, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you wanted to to have that ongoing relationship with this particular young woman and and others.
2: So I quickly um, started doing some outreach to local churches who were talking about the issue of human trafficking and wanting to find ways to help and provide resource and put together a small advisory committee um, or team from from that group of people. And uh, the first time that a group of people stood around me and prayed with me was in the home, the second home that we purchased um, and we were still under renovations on both homes, and it was a step function change for for how I did outreach to help me um, and support me in the process of opening Dorothy's house.
0: A step change. Okay. That's another new term to me here, so thank you. It that. means big. <laughs> okay. And
2: different, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, and in this season of Lent, I think we're all hopefully encountering some step changes that we need to be about here on in the second week uh, that we're finishing now on this day. And it's not just all about fish fries, right, Kelly? I mean, That's mean, <laughs> yeah, so. We like
1: our fish fries. <laughs> <laughs> My husband works them too, so I don't, I'm usually, like, I, I call myself a Lenten widow.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so is this kind of like an alternative universe that uh, you were then drawn into and that, you know, Some people are aware, but uh, for our listeners, just, you know, where, you know, in central Iowa, you kind of think about the heartland, but here we are at the intersection of some interstates, obviously in the western part, uh, I-29 and I-80, here I-35. But uh, is there something, you know, here that is... uh, Kind of, uh, I don't want to say foster because that has a positive connotation, but kind of uh, incites or stirs, you know, this uh, human trafficking phenomenon.
2: So the issue of human trafficking is, and, and the way that it plays out is different in every location. It happens everywhere in the world, um, but it does take on different traits and characteristics depending on where you are. So the south side of Chicago, human trafficking does not look like Des Moines, Iowa, and. Most cities have major intersections in them. Uh, So 80 and 35, I think there's a misconception about the interstates bringing that to us. But transport is a big part of this crime, moving people around and taking them to where the demand is. Uh, In Iowa, we see mostly what we call place-based trafficking or trafficking in place, which means that individuals are being trafficked by people who they're in relationships with whether it's a parent, an uncle, someone in their school network, um that is older than them, uh whether it is a boyfriend in air quotes, husband, um a a drug dealer perhaps. Um so usually it's a false relationship or a real relationship that is now transactional.
0: Wow, I mean and, and you know the uh the malevolence involved in this, you know, and the deception, but that it is people even within one's family bond and network, you know, yeah. the, the perversion of what this is is meant to be, you know, by God's design.
2: Everything from a single mom who needs to make rent, who will sell her children, um, up to drug dealers who just recognize that you can sell a drug once, but you can sell people on both ends of that transaction. The darkness and the manipulation um, that goes into it is unimaginable
0: mm-hmm. and uh you know that, that that's something you know that stirs in whether it's drug use or something you know, and the need for for funds and things to to support that but uh, but there just seems like a you know an insidious hatred that ultimately that uh, you you cease to be a person in the eyes of the other
2: I think maybe not so much hatred it's greed um power it's money um it's all about money. Um, And also mental health. I think that people with certain mental health conditions view other people as just property or items that can be traded on. I don't think they have much of a personal attachment to humanity. Um, And I think there's some mental health conditions that belie that. Um, But it really is people who prey on others' needs. Whether it's a young girl looking for relationship or affirmation or boyfriend, um, up to and including someone who needs somewhere to sleep or something to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very transactional in the relationship.
0: Okay. And when I use the word hatred, it's more generic sense. When I mean, We do not will to go to the other person, you know, but seek to deny that or cancel it in some ways. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. The, it, the darkness is just profound.
0: Uh-huh, does it happen that there are relationships that maybe start out on a fairly on decent basis, and then just uh, something sours in that, like you say, the the manifestation of the mental illness or persons go into that, and then that just kind of it's a downward spiral then, or is it uh, you know
2: it's or, a hundred uh, different things Okay uh, it really you know if it's a mother who is trying to make rent, I mean for sure she has love for those children but is desperate um, for people in the sex trade. Um, 99.9% of those people, for them, they may feel like it's a choice, but it's their last choice. And if it's only one, is it really choice? If that's the only way they can think or that they've learned their sense of value and worth, that they can support themselves and their families, it's not really a choice. And and so it's a very obviously risky environment to get caught up into, but there are just – hundreds of different ways in which people become vulnerable to perpetrators of this crime. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And and your website is listing vulnerability factors and methods of manipulation. But uh, the mental illness seems to be kind of pervasive not only by the perpetrators, but uh, by those who are obviously the the victims.
2: I think mental health is uh, a vulnerability, but also an outcome of of this crime. Uh, The co-occurring mental health conditions that we work with are... Our participants on uh, are very, very significant. And unfortunately, most of them have been um, diagnosed in crisis situations in emergency rooms and things like that, which is a terrible way to understand someone's mental stability. And then they are medicated in ways that aren't very productive sometimes. So unraveling the mental health conditions, sobriety is job number one, for sure. Mm. Um, but understanding the foundation of the mental health conditions that are existing with our participants is clearly job number two.
0: Okay. So there's definitely a clinical dimension of the the services that you're providing and uh, how you...
2: That we provide access for them too. So we don't have therapists on staff. We um, reach out to the community for... And Broadlawns is our go-to hospital currently for all of the health care that these women receive. Once they're in therapeutic relationships, um, we have to go to a broader network just in order to have enough people to choose from um, and who take their insurance and things like that. But initially, for psychiatric consultations and crisis observation and immediate medication needs, um, we lean pretty heavily on broad lines for that.
0: Okay. Well, a, a marvelous uh, relationship that you have. So, you know, again, the the genesis of Dorothy's house and why Dorothy's house even, why that name uh, that you've chosen? Yeah,
2: Yeah, it goes back to the very beginning when I was a volunteer and um, just a person who inspired me to take the next step and to really realize that maybe I have a little bit more to give, a little bit more to give, and a little bit more to give, and just to keep being open, open open-minded and open-hearted to those opportunities Mm -hmm. because it is such a privilege to serve.
0: Um, the, the, the wisdom and the, the great truth there. Uh, do, do referrals, uh, how, how does someone come to cross your threshold? I, and I'm presuming mainly all women that uh, would be with your communion, but uh, obviously men are implicated in some ways. But uh, or do some self-present because they hear about you through some channel?
2: It's a little bit of everything now. Uh, initially, most of our referrals came from shelters, uh, homeless shelters, and domestic violence shelters, um, but also um, behavioral health hospitals um, who recognize, who are trained enough to recognize the symptoms um, of human trafficking, because most people don't realize they've been trafficked. Most people feel like because they've been so deeply manipulated that they chose this path um, with their perpetrator. And so we do get individual referrals as well. Um, but behavioral health and shelters are our dominant way of identifying participants.
0: So there's, there's such a distortion of reality that the person doesn't even know they're in this kind of pathological,
2: you know. That's urban,
0: right. Yeah, toxic relationship in that way. Um, so uh, what would happen? I mean, you say sobriety is job one, uh, uh, the typical stay and, and that. Do you have some people like, come with you, and then they, they kind of freak out, and they say, I'm out of here? Or I mean, it's people revolving doors sometimes. People, some people freak
2: out over the whole two years. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is a, a long-term two-year restoration program with three phases. Um, phase one is very structured in order to reduce chaos in their life and to start applying services. I think we may be the only agency of our type that doesn't require 30 days of sobriety because addiction is real for all of them. Mm-hmm. If they don't have a journey with sobriety, we might look for an inpatient solution for them before joining us, but we'll hold a bed, mm-hmm. um, which is also pretty rare. Um, and then, you know, then they we, they build a care plan and we do assessments to manage their progress throughout the time and really just Um, help them achieve greater and greater independence over that two years so that at the end she doesn't rely on anyone for any of her needs to take care of herself or her children because therein lies the vulnerability.
0: Mm -hmm. So that gradual empowerment that happens. Mm -hmm. And and children also reside at Dorothy House if they have children?
2: They don't currently, um, but they're oftentimes reunited with their children during their time with us. Um, and so we make accommodations, and there are last phases actually in an apartment of their own. Okay. Um, so,
1: all right, we're going to take a quick break. You listen, I'm making a personal Bishop Johnson.
0: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsarah.org. Join S E R R A dot org. Thank you, Sarans for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio.
1: Would you like to get more involved as a volunteer? InterVisions Healthcare empowers at-risk women facing an unplanned pregnancy to make life-affirming decisions. But our nursing staff can't do it alone. Our unplanned pregnancy clinic seeks dedicated advocates, receptionists, and nursing volunteers to meet the needs of hundreds of at-risk patients we see each year. If you are a people person who wants to help moms with unplanned pregnancies, contact us today at 515-440-2273 or visit ivhcare.org. We are back with Make It Personal with Bishop Johnson. We are back with Kelly Markey, founder and executive director of Dorothy's House.
0: Kelly, thanks for remaining with us. And I just want to let people know who are listening in our audience that uh, there are ways in which they might help and donate the volunteers, whether directly or indirectly. And uh, you're always welcome to receive them. But obviously, some, you know, some uh, oversight to see and make sure that uh, their engagement would be, uh, you know, uh, appropriate.
2: Yeah, we use about 100 individuals a year who will do about 1,000 hours of service for us, anything from working directly with our participants, teaching life skills, job skills. Um, We even are looking currently for someone who is a style coordinator for the women in our care who oftentimes come to us with nothing. Um, And – we uh, there you go kelly yeah your, yeah <laughs> no kidding. you're very stylish stylish. <laughs> and we look to people to bring credibility to those topics so if you have an interest or you do these things already it helps lend credibility but also reduces the need for our staff to be experts in everything
1: mm,
0: marvelous and uh, three locations obviously discrete locations but uh, marking different phases of the of the process in this two year relationship
2: yeah, so the original house that we bought is actually phase two in our program currently. We were able to rebuild one of the homes on our property, and we just completed it last year, and in April had the opportunity to buy a sixplex apartment building that not only will house our phase three when it's completed here soon, um, but also allow us to tiptoe our fingers, our toes into the crisis space, um, for which there are no resources currently for women who need a solution today.
0: And so the Dorothy's House website, obviously, people who want to or, or offer some financial support, maybe they're Lent and almsgiving, this would be a, a beautiful channel for them to, to express that uh, in any way. Do you receive any kind of uh, government funding to support?
2: We We really don't. We have applied for government funding in the past, and it usually comes with so many ways that prevent us from being creative and for Working differently in the space of care because they're learning. They're, they're, the money they give is an opportunity for them to gather doc, data, and we don't really want to uh, to limit our ability to care and to to work very uniquely for people um, by having those kinds of handcuffs put on us. So, and and it's very hard to get, <laughs> and it's very hard to manage, and we're just too small. For a half a million dollar federal grant that would take two people to manage reporting on, I don't have two people to do that.
0: Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So the data collection, and yeah. you're not you're not the object of a research project. That's right. I'm happy right?
2: to participate, but not okay. for money, probably. Okay.
0: All right, beautiful. And you know, we think about money. Money really is the uh, insidious engine driving all this. And you know, one might think that this is kind of a male-dominated. Uh, 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 sick enterprise, if you will, but the role of women on women and the, the kind of victimization. Yeah, that women are there.
2: oftentimes recruiters, groomers, um, they're often called the top um, or the bottom, which are two roles inside the trafficking organization that women play um, to care for the girls um, that are in a ring or with a perpetrator, but a, a little bit on money uh, for an individual who is uh, in a behavioral health hospital or in prison, which are the most likely outcomes for a survivor of this crime, we will spend somewhere between 400 and and $1,000 a day on their sleep and food, very little care or restoration. And we operate um, just under $400,000 a year, and we'll serve 12 to 15 women. And it's really hard to come up with a cost per day, but it's under $200. And at the end of this, we have people who are off our systems of care, not even usually Medicaid eligible. And the, the belief is that for even a rape victim, $500,000 over their course in cost, and we are turning these individuals or helping these individuals become completely financially independent in our community.
0: Well, um, it may not be an impetus of faith, and obviously people of all faiths or no faith are are welcome and and on your staff, but this is truly God's work that you're performing. And so thank you for your witness, Kelly, and spending time with us today.
2: And our staff are true missionaries. Amen.
1: Amen. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson.
0: You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at join serra.org.